Welcome to Upstream Downstream, a lively civil discussion devoted to the political, policy, and cultural topics that often divide us. Upstream Downstream is presented by the Stubblefield Institute for Civil Political Communications at Shepherd University in cooperation with WSHC-FM and the Listen, Learn, Engage initiative. Here's your host, David Welch. Welcome to Upstream Downstream and our first show of the new 2021-22 season. We're happy to have you aboard for what we believe will be a great year. Also hoping for a great year are the 5,000-plus colleges and universities spread across the entire U.S. Yes, students are finally returning to in-person classes on college campuses. But what are they coming back to? Joining us today is Holly Fry, Vice President for Student Affairs and Director of Community Relations at Shepherd University in West Virginia. Holly, welcome to Upstream Downstream. Thank you for having me. From day one of the pandemic, you have led Shepherd's health safety team. What sort of precautions is the university taking as students now return to campus? So, David, that's a great question. Um, you know, the, the, the things that we are facing this semester are far different than what we uh, faced a year ago. Um, so while we thought we knew what we were doing and we could, you know, kind of replicate that some, things are very different. So this, um, for this semester, just a week or so ago, we decided to uh, require masks. Um, we are not de-densifying our classrooms. Um, we are not requiring masks outside. Um, we are trying very hard to create an environment for our students that is as normal as possible, while also keeping a constant eye on our numbers, on the transmissibility rate of you know in our county and the local areas around because we all need to be able to flip as, as quickly as we might need to. So the majority of our classes are face-to-face. Um, again, faculty are prepared should we need to to move some of those classes um, to virtual if we have to. I know there's not a crystal ball, and this is kind of a crystal ball question, but with the Delta variant of COVID on the rise, have you started thinking about, hmm, maybe we will have another shutdown, and what would that look like? So the Delta variant has absolutely created uh, even more of a challenge than we had a year ago. I do not think that we will need to go to a full shutdown. I think that we have learned a lot. I think that we um, have found resources and skills and abilities that we didn't know we had. And I think that um, we've learned some new ways of doing things. I, I, I do not have any expectations that we're going to shut down. And um, I, I hope I, I hope I can not be proven wrong on that. And what has the faculty response been so far to the, all of this? The faculty have been incredible. Um, uh, back in March um, of 2020, um, when we had to literally flip on a dime, our faculty were able to step back and punt, and they did an outstanding job helping our students um, to be successful in the classroom and finish up that semester. Then when we started in the fall of 2020, um, you know, they had learned a lot of lessons about moving online, um, about, you know, Zoom and just all of the different facets. 
they've been amazing. They've been huge supports of our students. And I have to just throw in our IT department has been incredible providing the assistance that faculty have needed in order to be able to, you know, continue to provide the rigorous education opportunities that we have here at Shepherd. You mentioned stepping back and punting, and that reminds me to ask, uh, when we open the football season with the mighty Shepherd Rams football season, that will be no masks and a pretty full stadium, I would imagine. At this point, yes. We are preparing um, to continue with what we currently have in place. Um, However, that could change. Um, One of the things that the Campus Health Task Force kind of jokingly says on a weekly basis is, We're building the road as we are driving down 80 miles an hour. So while we have things in place, we all know that they are all subject to change. But we do hope to have a very successful uh, football season. You know, you mentioned, uh, Holly, that uh, the situation is different now than it was a year ago in many different kinds of ways, I suppose. So what are the, how are the precautions different now as the students return than those that were initiated a year ago? So a year ago, we were, you know, when you think about everything we've learned in the last 12 months, 18 months, I mean, it it, it is tremendous. So a year ago, we were sanitizing every classroom after every, you know, class came in and out. We were separating students. We were, you know, we had... um, uh, single occupancy residence halls. We didn't let students eat in the dining uh, facility. Excuse me, dining facilities. There were all of these different things in place, and that was with the Alpha variant. Now that we are a year later, we now have vaccinations in place, um, readily available, and we also know that with the Delta variant, it is so much um, easier to transmit that. We, we know that while we need to sanitize, we don't sanitize quite as much as we thought we needed to a year ago. Um, social distancing, it's important, but this variant, again, is so um, you know, easily spread that it, it doesn't, it's, it's not quite as rigorous as we had a year ago. So what we're trying to do now is just, again, as I said, keep the campus as normal as we can while also responding to the many challenges that this new variant has given us. As you kind of look outside for science and medical guidance, I know that in West Virginia you're going to be looking to what comes out of the state health office. You're going to be looking to the local county uh, public health office. How involved are they in the decisions that you make? So early on, back in um, when this all just started, um, we became really close partners with our local Jefferson County Health Department. They assisted us with um, the onboard testing in August of 2020, um, and and they they really did become very good partners. We're also I'm a member of the Jefferson County Homeland um, Security Emergency Management um, uh, Steering Committee, and so they had meetings almost every day. So we were able to get data and information from them as well. We also work and get information from West Virginia Higher Education Policy Commission. Um, One of the things that I think I'm most proud of is that we have a student health center on our campus, and the focus is to help our students stay healthy, provide services to them. And and that very small department on campus um, or office 
together we made the decision that when it came time to get vaccines for our campus, we were going to take care of our own. Um, and so while the local health department was comp just very overwhelmed with the amount of work that they were doing, instead of the university relying on them to do even more, we stepped in, my staff, and they did vaccine uh, clinics for our students and our staff. And then towards the end, we were able to also assist with some community. So it is very much a partnership. We rely on them. They rely on us. Um, we report our positive cases to the local health department. Um, so, I mean, it has absolutely been a team effort. One of the things that uh, is important in a situation like this is how you communicate policy regulations, rules, whatever you want to call it, but how you communicate that to your faculty and your staff uh, and especially your students. Can you talk to us about what measures you took to make sure that everyone knew what was going on? That is such a great question, David. I tell you, people don't typically understand when you get an, an email in your inbox and you notice that a couple thousand people have gotten it, just how much has gone into the content of that message. Um, hours are spent on these mass emails. Um, what we are trying to do as a task force is to relay uh, up-to-the-minute information, tasks or action steps that each person should or is, are required to do, and we're also trying to alleviate fears. So in a pandemic, clearly people can you know, where, where there is no answer, they're going to fill in an answer. And so all those messages are meant to fill in the answer, give people the information that they need to make decisions for themselves, for their classroom, for their families, and so forth. Um, but each of those messages are so meticulously written and, and constructed and vetted. Um, I have gotten many, many uh, responses to those messages thanking people love information. They feel like they have um, better control over their decision-making when they are getting as much information from us as they can. When you first got this assignment, I would be interested in what went through your head. I'm going to guess that it was probably the university president who asked you to do this, and not very many people on a college campus can say no to a university president. But I would also be interested in your thoughts. What defines success in a program like this? As you look back to March of 2020, and now it's uh, late August, early September, fall of a new semester, how does success get defined? So the first part of your, your question, um, it's interesting. So several of us um, have been, had been working in, in 2019, 2020, on updating the University Emergency uh, Preparedness Plan. And so we had been meeting and writing and, and all, all sorts of things just to make sure that we were ready for whatever may come our way. And we learned about this thing called the uh, coronavirus. And we thought, well, that might be an interesting tabletop exercise, which a lot of emergency management folks will do. You, you find a problem, you you put it out on the table, you pull people together, and you say, okay, what will we do in the event this would occur here? So on January, I think it was the 29th of 2020, I assembled a team, and we met in the lower level of our dining hall, and I said, okay, coronavirus, what would we do? And none of us believed at that moment that we would ever, I mean, this wasn't going to happen in Shepherdstown. We just knew that this just wouldn't, but what a great exercise. 
that was our first meeting, and we are still meeting now. So um, what started as an exercise became, you know, clearly what we are today, a full-blown task force trying to lead the institution properly through a pandemic. As for how would I rate success, honestly, I think the fact that the folks here at Shepherd still have a high level of trust in the administration. Clearly, they have a high level of trust in Dr. Hendricks. I mean, she's a scientist, and so who better to lead a university during a pandemic than someone with her expertise and her knowledge and her contacts? So I think one area of success is that level of trust. I think full transparency has been another level of success, and I think that's helped. And I also think that just being able that our educational um, our educational mission has never stopped at all, never. We have continued to provide outstanding educational opportunities for our students. We, our students haven't had to step out. They've been able to continue the pursuit of their degree. And I think that that is another level. And I would say, finally, the other part of it is just this community relationship that we have with our local partners. We work directly with Shepherdstown, Jefferson County, state of West Virginia. Um, the mayor of Shepherdstown sits on our task force. And so we have not only been a good partner, but we are looked upon as, um, you know, kind of a leader in the area. So I feel like all those different things has been able to define success for us. You know, in this new normal that we live in now, I'd be interested in what you think students expect coming back to classes on campus. If you're a former student pre-pandemic, you you know the college in one way. It must be somewhat different now, but I'm sure it's your mission, your task to try and make it look as little as different as possible. Absolutely. Um, one of the areas I oversee is our student activities and leadership and that group they have worked tirelessly to continue to provide activities and events and initiatives to keep our students engaged because we all know research shows that students who are engaged and involved, are they, they tend to persist. Um, we watch students come up to our welcome back booth. We watch students move back onto campus. They are thrilled to see each other. They're thrilled to be able to talk and to hang out. It's been um, an interesting mix because, as you just said, we have seniors who were here before the pandemic and they know what it was like. We have sophomores who are here who never really had a typical freshman year. We have freshmen who come who have just spent an entire high school senior year on Zoom. So you bring all of these different expectations to one place and we're trying to be the answer to all of that. Um, and one of the things that we keep trying to push is respect for each other, understanding for each other. You know, if somebody's vaccinated, if somebody isn't vaccinated, we all need to pull together and, and be a community. Um, and, 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 I, and we really do talk a lot about the resiliency of our campus. Um, and, and I think that has really shown through this. So I was going to ask you about, uh, about social life. Of course, that's one of the highlights of attending college in the first place. And I was going to get your comment on what steps are being taken to allow students to participate in these in-person events as they kind of come together. They're excited about seeing each other, making new friends. Um, how are in-person events different than they might have been before? 
We're doing a lot of things outside. (laughs) (laughs) That's smart. A lot of things. As long as the weather holds out, right? Absolutely. We're hoping we don't get snow for a while. Now, we, we, um, it's amazing, again, the resiliency of students. I mean, they have created um, all kinds of different activities that students can do um, online, which, you know, our students of this generation are online a lot anyway. Um, but in addition to that, we are literally doing a lot of events that are going to be held outside. You're listening to Upstream Downstream. We're joined today by Vice President for Student Affairs and Director of Community Relations at Shepherd University, Holly Fry who has been the campus leader in assuring safety and health during the pandemic. Some policies are changing the way we hold hybrid classes. You mentioned before that uh, some of these students have been uh, in a total Zoom environment for the last uh, year or so. We can see a class with some students in person while the other students are participating in the class over Zoom. Do you believe this arrangement will have an enduring effect uh, of the pandemic? I think that we are going to continue to see, at least through this semester, the hybrid model used. Um, and can you keep in mind that the classes that were created for that the students are currently in now had to be decided in October of last year. So that's how much in advance things have to be created. So this semester that we are in now, a lot of our classes were listed as hybrid. That way faculty can say to the students, we're going to be in class face-to-face as much as we can, and if we have to switch, then, we're, then, then we'll go online. Some faculty are saying we're going to be in the classroom two days a week, one day a week, we're going to do Zoom. I think what we have learned during the pandemic is just what we can do when we have to figure it out. And so faculty who swore they would never teach virtually have learned that they kind of like it, maybe. They don't want to do it all the time, but they know they can. Students know who, who know that I don't really didn't think I wanted to do an online class, but I figured it out. Now I will say that our most of our students on campus they do want to be in the classroom with their with their friends. They want to be interacting face to face with the faculty. But I think that we have learned that in the face of a challenge, we can do it. Um, and so it will be interesting to see what happens as we move forward and we dig ourselves out of this pandemic. But I think. Um, you know, one of the things, again, we talk about a lot in the task force is, is that one of the greatest travesties of this thing will be if we don't take the lessons that we've learned and use them moving forward. You're partnering with the Listen, Learn, Engage initiative to help promote a, not only a smoother transition back to campus, but to participate all, also in the uh, better training of, of, of teaching young people how to be leaders in the future in the event that something like this could ever happen again. Can you talk to us about how you're working with both the Listen, Learn, Engage initiative and other departments at Shepherd to make a reopening possible? As far as other areas on campus, we work with every single department. So, for example, on the task force, we have facilities, athletics, academics, um, the University Police Department. Um, Again, as I said, the, the local mayor is on there. So we work with all of these departments to make us be able to continue to be, you know, offer a successful year for our students. So with the Listen, Learn, and Engage initiative, it, it, that is providing us with some real opportunities um, for our students. Um, and and I'm, I'm so grateful for the Stubblefield Institute and, and for this grant to be able to offer even more opportunities 
So we um, are working with the staff, um, with Lucinda, on many of the activities that we already have in place, but now there's a big partnership. And so um, we're going to be bringing in some guest speakers who are going to be talking about leadership. We're going to be talking about resilience. We're going to be any way we can bring this in to help our students in some certain academic fields to understand that the path before us is probably not going to be what you think it is. So you think you know what's going to happen next week and the week after, but the reality is we don't. And, it, and what we want to do and what we want to continue doing at Shepherd, we've been doing it for, for a very long time, and with the Listen, Learn, and Engage initiative, we can continue this. We need to teach our students how to be critical thinkers. We need to teach them how to step back and say, okay, how, how would I address this? What is the professional um, steps that I need to take? How can I partner with locals and um, with mentors and peers to be able to learn to move an initiative forward? So we're very, very excited about partnering um, with, with the Listen, Learn, and Engage. I can't wait to see all of the more different things we're going to be doing um, in the very near future. Holly, it was decided that masks are still required to be worn inside. Vaccinated or not, with the knowledge that COVID can still be spread by those who are vaccinated. Why was the decision made to exempt them from random testing? That is a great question and one that we have debated. So, unfortunately, we do not have a limitless supply of tests. And as, unlike last year, academic year when they were provided by the state, we those. So what we have decided to do is those individuals who are, have chosen not to be vaccinated, they will be put in a pool and they will be randomly chosen and we're going to have a certain percentage and we're going to start on August 30th testing. What we are also going to do is offer to anyone who is vaccinated, should they be interested, we will offer them a test. So we're not going to require those who are vaccinated to be tested, but we are opening it up to them. So that's kind of how we're addressing it, as with everything with the pandemic, that could change uh, down the road. But, but for now, that's how we're handling that. Now, both the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines recommend a booster shot uh, eight months after the second shot, if I understand correctly. During the initial rounds of vaccinations, Shepherd University used its wellness center uh, to vaccinate students, staff, and some community leaders. Do you think that Shepherd will be offering booster shots as well in the near future? That is absolutely our intent. So I will be working with the state, as other institutions in, in West Virginia will be doing, to get these uh, boosters. And as soon as we can, we are going to begin um, providing those to our campus. We feel really committed to this whole taking care of our own. Um, we don't want to be a burden on the greater community when we have the skills, knowledge, and staff to be able to do what we need to do here. So yes, uh, David, it is our intent that we will be providing those. In addition, for those who have not yet been vaccinated, we're hoping to be able to continue to provide vaccinations for them as well. Is it the policy of the university to promote vaccination? Yes. So we absolutely highly, strongly recommend that um, everybody get a vaccine. We are not, at this point, requiring those vaccines. Some colleges around the country have gone to mandatory vaccinations. Have you discussed what circumstances would ever exist 
to have you follow that lead? Sure. Yeah, that's been discussed, you know, over the last, well, ever since the vaccine came out. Um, and as you know, now Pfizer has uh, received the full FDA approval. And so certainly that's going to um, kind of create more dialogue to see if that is going to update our policies. Um, but as of right now, we are highly recommending we are not requiring. When it comes to vaccines, it's been my observation, and I say this without having any data at all, but it's just been an observation that younger people, i.e. therefore college students, are among the hardest ones to convince that they should get a vaccine. What insight do you have into that? You know, I think, David, that college students, are they are reluctant for, for several reasons. Some of it is because, you know, culturally they have been told don't trust um, don't trust the government or don't trust a vaccine or and and even even a lot of these students you know they've had all their vaccines as infants but they don't remember that um, and and they feel like this vaccine is a little bit different um, one of the things that we are trying to do here is provide you know, we don't want to do shame vaccine, right? We don't want to make anybody feel bad because they have chosen not to be vaccinated. But what we are doing, you know, we're an educational institution, so it is our job to educate. And so, for example, there was a group of students um, on our campus who were very, very reluctant. And so I had an expert come in and talk, somebody who, who worked very, very close with the, with the testing of the vaccine. And, and he came in and he actually spoke to this group of students and gave them facts. He gave them the facts. Um, and and, and that, that is how we will educate. Um, and we, you know, we believe that an individual has an opportunity to make their own decision, but it has to be based on fact, not on social media or conjecture. It needs to be based on real scientific evidence. And, of course, facts is a huge part of any university, so that seems to make sense, doesn't it? Yeah, we, we'd like to think so, yes. Holly, is there anything that I haven't asked during this interview that uh, you feel the need to add, not only to the work that you're doing at Shepherd University, but perhaps offering maybe an insight or even advice to universities around the country? I, I think the, the thing that I have learned is, Again, I go back to this word resiliency. You know, people, it's easy to be great when things are easy. It's easy to provide a good product when you have everything at your fingertips. You really know what you're made of when you are thrown a challenge. And sometimes it's budgetary challenges, sometimes it's resources, sometimes it's that, whatever the challenge may be. This, a pandemic and trying to run a university, this was, to me, the, the, the challenge of all lifetimes. Now, there may be another one around the corner that we're not anticipating, but um, I, I, think, I think the key is relying on your uh, community partners, relying on your staff, pulling together, and, and you've got to have some humor. I'm telling you, our campus task force meetings, we meet all the time. And it is one of the best groups I have ever had the, the, the good fortune of working with. Um, or we set things out. Sometimes we kind of argue and debate things, but we have a lot of humor. And we always base our decisions on what is the best thing for our students. 
because at the end of the day, that is our job. Holly, unfortunately, that's all the time we have, but I want to say thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Your insight has been really valuable, and I would imagine that uh, people who are in your leadership positions at other universities might want to uh, you know, catch uh, uh, this show as well because uh, you've done a good job at Shepherd University, so thank you for doing that, and we'll talk to you soon about that, and uh, keep us posted. Thank you very much, David. I'd also like to thank our producer, Sarah Burke, and our associate producer and editor, Bianca Eisen. On behalf of the Stubblefield Institute for Civil Political Communications at Shepherd University and the Listen, Learn, Engage initiative, I'm David Welch. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Upstream Downstream, presented by the Stubblefield Institute for Civil Political Communications at Shepherd University. To learn more about the Stubblefield Institute, other programs such as the Listen, Learn, Engage initiative or the American Conversation series, or to become a friend of the Institute, please go online to stubblefieldinstitute.org.